0: Before we start, Strange Circle is a narrative podcast best listened to in sequential order, so if this is your first time, why not go back to episode 1? Enjoy the show. Before we start, Strange Circle is a narrative podcast best listened to in sequential order, so if this is your first time, why not go back to episode 1? Enjoy the show. You're listening to Spirited Discussions. My Life with Ginger, read by the author, Hilly Sanderson.
1: My earliest memory is of Ginger. I'm in my bedroom, the room I share with my two older sisters, sitting up in my bed. It's early in the morning and Janine and Sarah are still fast asleep. I think I must have been about four. A noise has woken me up and there, standing at the foot of the bed, is a young woman. She looked then as she looks now, a tall, statuesque lady in her early twenties. She wore a long, pale, yellow dress with frills at the hemline and at the shoulders. An orange ribbon made the waist, and a rectangular colour showed off her long, proud neck. Her face is pretty, but not beautiful. Her mouth is thin, and sometimes gives her a mean look. Her nose is button-like, and her eyes a deep shade of green. It was her hair that my four-year-old self latched onto, though. Long red curls falling to her shoulders. It was a little too light to be called auburn. No, she was ginger through and through. She didn't speak to me that time. She just looked at me with a faint smile on her face. I didn't feel frightened. I presume I thought she was just another person in the house that I hadn't met yet. My parents had taken in some servicemen convalescing after the war and there were always people coming and going. I must have fallen back to sleep and when I woke, she was gone. I told my sisters about her and they made fun of me. It was the first time I learned that my gift was not always something I should let on about. I never told my mum or dad I saw her about once a week, always early in the morning. Until I was about eight. That was when she spoke to me, for the first time. Bring me another, like before. Audulations pierce the night. Like primitives we are to them. Whomsoever seeks them out ever wanders nearer underground. Righteous, they evolved above us. It was like a whisper in the centre of my head. I remember I was sitting up at the kitchen table, eating lunch. My mum had her back to me, washing up at the kitchen sink. The sun was streaming through the window and as I watched the dust motes dance, I saw that the woman was standing there. The bright light made her translucent and I realised for the first time she wasn't really there, not like me or mum. She grinned at me, full-on beaming face, and I heard her words for the first time. I'm so happy you can see me. I think I gasped as my mum turned round to ask me what was wrong. When I looked back, the woman was gone. Later that afternoon, she was there in the bedroom where I was playing, She sat in the window, the light again shining through her, letting me know she was special. She said hello, and I fought away my nervousness to say hello back. She said her name was Ginger, and she asked about my dolls and my books, and we ended up spending the afternoon chatting quite happily. When I heard my sister's return, she cautioned me not to speak to her when others were around. I would look crazy, as they wouldn't be able to see her. She also said it was best not to talk about her at all. I was so happy I'd found her. My sisters were both a lot older than me, and they pretty much left me to myself. I think I was lonely, if I'm honest. And now I had a new special friend to talk with, and share secrets with. And as I grew, I found that some of the things that Ginger knew could help people. Fourteen two 2, 159 4, 2, 16, 1, 7 10, 3, 70. 27, 4, 51.
2: Welcome to tonight's Hour of the Dead with me, Derek Dunning. We're having a call-in spot this evening, so I want to invite you to tell me your spooky stories. Things that you've seen that you can't explain. Call the usual number and if you get through, you can try to scare me. And it looks like we're off. Barry, who do you have for me?
0: We have Sheila from Bootle and she has a question.
2: Okay, hi there, Sheila. You are on the air. What's your question?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh God, I'm on. Harry Derek. My friend Tina and me want to know if you've ever seen a ghost.
2: (laughs) Well, I've told this story a few times before on the show, uh, but we'll do it again quickly. I haven't seen a ghost, uh, but I have heard what I consider to be ghosts. It was when I was a boy, I was uh, at my friend's house, and we used to rehearse there in the attic because we had a band. Um, It was a massive house, run as a farm, an old lodge of a manor. He used to tell me stories of all these weird things that had happened to him in this house, like he would step out of the shower and find all the sink taps turned on, even though the door was locked. So one day after practice, the rest of the family were out and we were both standing in the front hall. I'd read a lot of books on ghost hunting and they said that you could encourage ghosts by creating a spooky atmosphere. There was a baby's music box there. There was a baby in the house and I wound it up and started it. Let me tell you, there is nothing as spooky as a music box in a big empty house.
1: Oh my God, what happened?
2: It was quiet for a while, and then the sound of a conversation could be heard coming from way above us towards the top of the house. We knew there was no one else there. It was like hearing people talk from the next room. You can hear the ups and downs of the voices, but can't quite make out what's being said. And then the dog went crazy. It began to bark angrily and then round the kitchen door. The door was closed and it pulled at the bottom, trying to get in. Then it seemed to chase something from the kitchen around the corner to the front door, barking all the time. And then it all just stopped. The atmosphere changed. It was all gone.
1: I wish I
2: could see a ghost. Well, be careful what you wish for. Thank you for your call, Sheila. Barry, do we have anyone with their own story to tell?
0: Uh, yes, Derek, I have Ernie here. Uh, he says he has a spooky story.
2: Hello, Ernie. What gruesome tale do you have to tell us?
0: Oh, no. Nothing like that. Um, I want to talk about this business of shadow, Shadow people? Yes,
2: Ernie, we have covered that before. Have you seen something like that?
0: Yes, sir. While I was at my sister's flat, she's on the sixth floor overlooking a car park. We were just on our way out the other night when we both saw something moving between the cars.
2: And what did it look
0: like, Ernie? A black mist, maybe. It was very difficult to make it out. It fits the description of a shadow person though, right?
2: Well, it certainly seems so. Do you know if the building has a history of being haunted or anything like that?
0: Oh, I don't know that. I'll ask my sister though and we'll try and find it out.
2: That will be great, Ernie, and uh, please phone back if you've got any more information and try to take a video of it. Thanks for phoning in. Now, I think we've got one more time uh, before the station break.
0: Yes, and here is Susan from the West Midlands. Uh, she's got a story about her cat.
2: Ah, oh, yes, well, we love a good cat story. Uh, Susan, how are you tonight? Um, Susan, have we lost you? Okay, um, I think the call has dropped, Barry. Goodbye to Susan, if she's still there. Do you know the crooked way? Well? Um... Hello. Is that Susan? Uh, Can you hear me okay? Do you know the crooked way? Uh, Can you be a little um, clearer, cooler?
1: The crooked way that passes by the graveyards. We are cheated out of them. Are you a cheater? Are you a cheater? Are you a cheater? Cheater! started with little things. If something was lost in the house, Ginger would be able to tell me where it was. My father once joked that it happened so often, I must be hiding the objects in the first place. By the time I was 14, this fact was common knowledge in the neighbourhood, which is when I got my first lost pet. Judy Allaby was an older girl that lived in the next street. She was devoted to her dog, Molly. Molly the Collie, we called her. Molly had been off her lead in the back garden of their home and had disappeared. Judy had looked everywhere, asked everyone. She put up signs and all the nearby news agents, even offering a reward. She was desperate to find poor Molly. That's when she arrived on our doorstep, asking to see me. My mum took her into the parlour and we all sat together. Judy asked if I could find the dog for her. Mum was puzzled at this. She had no idea that my fame in finding lost objects had grown beyond the house. In the end it was decided that no harm would come from me trying. Of course they didn't know who really found all those things. I waited until the evening and went upstairs to my bedroom. My sisters were out with some boys so I had it all to myself. I whispered for Ginger and she appeared walking straight out of the wall. She already knew what I was looking for. Poor little doggy, she said. All gone now, down by the water where the bomb fell. This was a little bit more cryptic than usual, normally her directions were more straightforward like the keys are in the bread bin. It only took a few minutes for me to work out where she meant. During the Manchester Blitz one of the bombs had fallen by the canal south of Eccles. I could walk there and back in an hour and tomorrow was Saturday. I wanted to be sure before I told Judy. It was worse than I thought it was going to be. The dog was right next to the canal edge, covered in maggots. I ran all the way back home in tears before telling Mum what I'd found. It turned out that someone had killed Molly, taken a knife and slit her open. Not the news that Judy wanted to hear. But at least she knew. As I found out later, It's the not knowing that drives people mad.
0: carefully finish the last brush stroke i've only painted for about half an hour this time the image on the canvas is taking shape quite well and i sit back pleased with myself it will take a while for the pigments to dry which gives me time to sort out the mess in the bathroom I always prepare my materials in a bathroom. Somewhere that can contain the contents of the human body, and somewhere preferably with a drain. What was left now had begun to smell. It didn't repulse me. I found it to be a comforting smell. A smell that reminded me I'd done a good job. What was left of Jack Simmons was folded in the bathtub. Because of the way I killed them, there was usually no mess to clear up, unless they pissed or shat themselves as they were popping off. Jack had done neither, and it was easy to drag him into the bathroom and get him into the bath. I had drilled a couple of holes into his skull for the grey pigment there. There was blood, of course, for red, and to dilute the colours I used the liquid from his eyes. I used a small syringe to extract that. I avoided the digestive system as much as possible. It was difficult enough to keep the canvas fully preserved without adding those bacteria. I could usually do without brown, or yellow for that matter. This time, I needed something from a little higher up and it would take some precision. I could have just gone at his liver with a knife, but again, there was no need to make a mess when I didn't have to. I needed a green pigment. There was a copse of trees next to the structure I'd painted and I would get onto that soon. And the ground cover might be grass, you never know. I take out a long needle syringe from the bag and move Jack onto his left side. The bile duct was situated just behind and under the liver. I'd done my research, but I knew it was going to be a bit of a stab in the dark. It takes me six attempts before I'm able to draw the bright green fluid into the syringe. I keep calm throughout it all, not letting the growing frustration take me over. I transferred the bile into a small plastic bottle and put all the tools back in the bag. It was time to be moving on. i spent about three hours in his flat now and that was my limit. I wasn't going to dispose of the body. I would just leave it be now. I knew all about Jack Simmons. He didn't have a girlfriend, his so-called friends didn't really like him. His parents lived in Newcastle, he hardly spoke to them. No one would be concerned if he went missing. His work were the only people who might make a fuss. I'd managed to use his computer and send them an email saying he was taking time off. I thought it might be over a week until he was found. I always tried to speed up the decomposition process as much as possible. I set the heating on full blast in the bathroom and shut the door behind me. I open one of his windows so the rest of the flat would get cold. I push a towel in the crack under the bathroom door to limit the smell that would eventually emerge. Any fluids coming out of him would simply run into the drain. It didn't really matter when he was found, but I liked to make their job as difficult as possible. And upsetting. I carefully roll the now dry canvas and store all of my belongings in the long bag. The song has stopped for now. You might think that's a relief, but the moment it's gone, I want to hear it again. Hi there, this is Al Ashworth, creator of the Strange Circle podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and invite you to visit the Strange Circle website for more facts, stories and clues. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would be very grateful if you could rate and review, especially on iTunes. If you're feeling generous, please sponsor me on Patreon. This podcast is a labour of love and any help you can give is gratefully received. You can find all the information at pod.com. Strangecircle.org Thanks for listening.
1: Don't you call on the Lord, cause he's promised you shall reap just what you sow.